All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Pizza Mind, and I'm joined today by Andrea Berry, the head of business development over at Theta Labs. Andrea, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's exciting to have you here. Theta is something that we often get asked about in our community over at Crypt Nation, and you guys have been around for quite a while. One of the probably best projects has actually attracted real users over the past several years, going on a half a decade now. That's how long Theta has been live. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a little while since we checked in. Uh, give us first the high-level overview of what you're building at Theta Network uh, for those who are new and haven't heard of it. And then let us know, you know, what are some of the newer updates over the past year that uh, maybe people should circle back and check in on? Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh you know, for those who aren't aware, I, I always like to start most of my meetings with explaining who we were then when we started at its inception and who we are now. So a lot of people don't realize that Theta.tv was, you know, our, our streaming platform and product was actually Sliver TV. And that was the business that had started. I actually met Mitch, uh, our CEO at Sliver, when he was Sliver TV in 2018, and I was rooting for them, and I thought it was really cool, but I was like, wow, they they are very ambitious, and sure enough, when I started interviewing a couple years later, they had achieved everything, changed from Sliver to Theta, and essentially, um, they were a gaming streaming platform, and it was incredibly difficult to stream 360 and 4K video from these condensed um, areas at their arenas at these turn- gaming tournaments. And so we built our peer-to-peer CDN. That was our really f- our first step forward in decentralization. And so um, since then, you know, we built that to solve our own problems. And and since then, we've built our own layer one native blockchain. It's proof of stake. Um, we've been told that it was one of the first proof of stake models out there, which is really exciting. But I like to always call out Sliver TV and Theta TV, the product, because it really is our origin story and it it shows very different from other layer ones. We have a, a focus on media and entertainment and serving those use cases, which are incredibly unique for blockchain. Um, and so I would say, you know, in the last year or so, I uh, just hit my year mark. So it's a perfect question for me. Congratulations. Um, thank you. It's I love this job and I love the space. It's really exciting. Um, my background's in video streaming infrastructure. So it was a really natural fit. Um, in the last year, we have launched our meta chain, which is really exciting. That launched in December of 22. And essentially our main chain, the meta chain allows for businesses, creators, whoever wants, you know, it's permissionless can launch their own sub chain on Theta. And what's very cool about the sub chain is it positions you as a layer one. So for 10,000 token, you can launch your sub chain and it powers you as a layer one. And so that's something we're very focused on is um, launching these sub chains and uh, user adoption and advocacy for the space. Very I'll cool. kind of pause there because there's so many things I could get into, but yeah. I want you to ask some questions. I appreciate it. Well, let's let's run down that rabbit hole uh, with the meta chain to start. What are some of the applications that this chain is you know really designed for developers to come and build? Is it just yeah. typical like finance applications or games, or is it really optimized for like streaming services? I would say all of the above, right? So. 
it's where, you know, while Theta is very focused on media and entertainment, as a layer one, you know, naturally more um, industries are going to pop up and have use cases to build on a layer one. We have um, one of our partners is actually a healthcare company, LaVita AI. It's an AI health data company. So different than media and entertainment, but, you know, it's really whatever, like any other layer one, there's so many use cases. It does feel like boiling the ocean. Now on the subchain specifically, since the subchain positions you as a layer one, the same goes for those use cases as well. So uh, Levita actually just launched their subchain yesterday, I believe, if not early this morning. Um, that's really exciting. But then kind of on the total other end of the spectrum, which is more of our focus, is um, Toonstar, one of our partners. It's a Web3 animation studio. They launched their subchain yesterday. And that is really exciting because there's gaming use cases within that. There's the video streaming use case. Um, there's, you know, the fact they're minting on their own subchain, the NFTs. Um, there's lots of different use cases that we're just really scratching the surface of. Um, yeah, it feels a little bit like boiling the ocean with that question. So is it possible for you know, maybe content creators like myself to have our own channel on Theta that's just rolling 24-7 content? Um, that's actually a great question. So Theta TV, yes. Uh, Theta TV is really like a... Um, Similar to Twitch, where streamers can go and, and launch and be live 24-7 or go live whenever they see fit and followers can follow them. Um, but, you know, I think a big misconception is that that's who we are, when in reality, Theta TV is really a proof of concept of what can be built on Theta. So... If that's interesting for you, I think it's a good distribution um, strategy. It really depends on the creator, the content, and what's available. But I would say if you wanted to launch your own network or bring other creators that are similar to you and aggregate to create you know, your own solution or streaming platform, that would be something that you would use our tools and build yourself. So, so the comparison I like to make when I'm explaining the, the breadth of what you know, Theta can do is we're very similar and set up to be like an AWS of Web3. So maybe companies are using components of, of Theta in their tech stack to augment. And then there's other companies that are completely building ground up on the blockchain. That's really interesting. And on the back end, are users providing a lot of this compute and bandwidth? Or is this still something that Theta Labs is doing themselves? Yeah, it's... Um, let me answer a little slowly to make sure I don't technically <laughs> misspeak. Uh, it's it's both. It's um, you know the edge network is run by nodes, and anybody can set up a node on their computer. You know, part of my focus in business development is figuring out how we can get you know more um, enterprise nodes and um, adoption there. Um, so yeah, it is powered by that. But like any good um, media strategy, we use. Um, you know, a good blend of uh, today's technologies because we do still live in a Web 2 world and there are places where the node needs extra strength. So we have, you know, multi-CDN approach, but the leading effort is definitely the Theta peer-to-peer -peer CDN. And that's on the delivery side. And that's the grand vision once we're fully in Web 3 is everything is decentralized once it's ready. Um, yeah. I think that's important for listeners to understand there's not centralized or decentralized. Decentralization is a gradient and it often takes a Very long well time to 
get from one side of that gradient spectrum to the other where you're almost mostly decentralized. And that really has to do with adoption and conviction of the network and how much resources people are really willing to donate. Because at the end of the day, you need a business and a product that actually runs and runs well by any means necessary, even if it's using AWS nodes today. Yeah, and I it's a good time to even explain a little bit of our strategy with this Web2 world that we all live in is Theta, I think in its simplest form, we help businesses, um, you know, a lot of my focus at least is we're helping businesses lean into Web3. So a lot of my job is demystifying this space, empowering these executives with solutions, problem solving, um, you know, a lot of the pain points that they have today and educating them how Web3 can do that. And so all that to say, we still will integrate with whatever technologies they're using that makes sense still for their business and, you know, help them lean in and become, you know, you know, that some people don't like this phrase, but, uh, you know, web two and a half where that's a huge success to get a traditional company to lean into web three a little bit. Um, no matter what the use case is, that's doing a lot of good in the space um, to educate and demystify what's available. Yeah. What are some of the misconceptions that you have to you know, debunk usually in like that yeah. first introductory meeting? You know, what are CEOs oh thinking Web3 is and yeah. you're having to say, well, actually. Yeah, it's all over the place. Um, I think mostly um, the definitions are all, uh, you know, blended together and, and grouped together. So like... Um, you know, blockchain is NFT to some of these people. And I'm like, no, NFTs are a product of blockchain, right? Um, but m since NFTs are most commonly known, I think uh, that's probably a lot of the time I spend um, demystifying NFTs. So a lot of these executives assume that an NFT equals ownership. And like ownership of IP is a lot of their fear. Um, and so, you know, I had a studio executive one time get really fired up with me and he wasn't yelling, he was yelling at me, but he wasn't yelling at Andrea. You know, he was just really frustrated saying, you know, studios are the ones who take the risk investing in creators, developing IP. Why would we just give it away so that, um, you know, anyone can monetize on that? And I, I, you know, have learned some strategy to just kind of sit back and say, well, what do you mean by that? Right. And let him explain and then say, well, if you'd like to set up the digital contracts that way, you can. However, it can just be your movie ticket. Like it was a commemorative thing once upon a time where you would, you know, save the concert tickets, movie tickets, and just hang it on our bulletin board. By no means our purchase ticket implied that we own the film. It just represented us viewing and going. So I'll like start to talk about these use cases and just say, hey, NFTs are just digital contracts. So however you want to set up the contract, it's up to you. And it's an opportunity for you to have a one-to-one -one relationship with that fan without layers of, you know, businesses, so software solutions, tools, everything in between where you don't really own that user relationship. It's not one-to-one -one at all today. So that's a lot of the conversation I, I think I have most frequently. We've seen a lot of Web2 and other legacy brands try and enter the Web3 space and just collapse right on their face in the most miserable way possible. And I mean enormous brands that people love and use and are very well respected. And trust, and just, right. And trust, but they have no clue 
how to relate here. It's like entering a, like a brand new country where they don't speak the language. Yeah. Um, what What is their intention on even entering here in the first place? Is there like a common reason that people say, okay, I want to get into Web3 because to do this or because of this or is it just a big buzzword they heard and they yeah. have no clue about it? I think there's always the FOMO, you know, of like, am I going to like lose value in my role, right? Or like, am I going to fall behind in knowledge? So there's always the curiosity, which I was frankly, really pleasantly surprised by when I joined this space. I thought it would be much more difficult to just get the curiosity going. That's not an issue. It's more just like the misinformation that exists that I have to correct. But, you know, um, I see the same things happening. I see the projects happening and falling flat. I think, um, you know, I can't speak to those, but what I can say of what Theta does differently when we work with these traditional brands or IPs or businesses is that we offer managed services. So in theory, somebody could just come in and say, I need your help with art. I need your help with, you know, the whole laundry lesson. We're willing to do it. However, we find, you know, we match make with our partnerships like they know their brand and their audience and the history of their business and what works and doesn't well. And then we know this space well. So we empower their team almost you know, become an extension of their team to execute the nuances to land and culture of Web3 to make sure it doesn't miss the mark and all that to, you know, drive towards really their learning and NFTs. We have um, an NFT marketplace called thetadrop.com. And it really is an entryway for these businesses to have a low risk way of testing with Web3. And so through an NFT project, what I'll do is usually figure out what are their KPIs as a business anyways, like Web 2, Web 3 aside. Like what are your KPIs for your businesses and maybe what are some pain points of user relationships? And we'll pitch um, campaigns around that, you know, NFT projects, but they're marketing campaigns. And we add value there, we educate them, and we solve a problem. And that usually builds trust where then it's my job to expand the relationship. And, you know, maybe then I'm meeting with the CTO instead of the marketing department. And um, because of this successful NFT project, it's opened the doors and, you know, every everybody's more empowered to try new things in that scenario. So that's something we do very differently um, that I see brands will do it. You know, maybe they bring in consultants who aren't really motivated for the right reasons to see the project through successfully. Really, it's like a, you know, almost like I want to say horse blinders, but like a limited perspective where we come in as an extension of their team and, um, you know, empower them to do what they do best, which is know their brand. And then we can help them execute on the Web3 side to make sure it doesn't fall flat. Yeah, it seems like a lot of these companies and people that are working for them, they've got this idea of create product and sell it. And that just doesn't work in Web3. No one wants to be sold anything. Uh, They want to be invited to participate in something and to be part of something larger than themselves. And I think this concept, even when mentioned to these legacy companies, is just so far over their heads, it's very difficult to understand if they don't have a native Web3 person that's either working for them or with them mm-hmm. and explaining this is not just an upgrade in technology. It's an entire paradigm shift in the way of thinking and human relations. Yeah. I Are agree. there any like blanket bullet points that you would give to 
a legacy coming that might be listening to this podcast of just how to look at Web3 in general? Yeah, um, you know, at a really high level, assuming, you know, it's um, a learning exercise. I really, you know, the the blockchain, um, theoretically, like in terms of like learning new technology and being intimidated by new technology, it's very similar to when the cloud started. And the cloud, I remember the day I started to learn about it, wanted my brain to explode And I was like, well, I'll never need to know about it. But eventually I learned about it and it's demystified and it solved a lot of problems. So I think think of blockchain in the same um, way of cultural adoption and solving problems is that, you know, if they're looking at their business, like I would create the laundry list of issues and being brutally honest with yourself or where you're going to fall off, you know, an inevitable cliff that's coming up in the next few years of your business or you know, the biggest pain point year over year at your um, board meetings, like what, what is the, what's the, the, the whale you're trying to chase or a problem you're trying to solve. I think creating that list and then going to somebody in the web three space that you solve, it will blow your mind. Um, how many, how, how much web three can solve problems, uh, for businesses. And I think back to your question on like, um, what I spend a lot of time demystifying, it's that as well where a lot of executives who may know something about blockchain and be savvy, um, they still are fearful with this conception of like they're losing control when I'm educating them that actually you could have more control if you embrace this technology. But imagine having more control and your users being happier about that and your creators being happier. Like it really presents an opportunity where multiple parties can all win and get exactly what they want. Yeah, definitely. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have. And it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And I think there's such a huge misconception about Web3 just being NFTs. Mm-hmm. When NFTs are maybe like 5% of Web3, mm-hmm. maybe less. I think the real major use case for enterprise in Web3 isn't NFTs at all, but rather metaverses. Imagine reforming your entire customer service experience into a metaverse, where instead of me as the user having to send an email, hope someone sees it or reads it in the next two weeks, or having to log into a website and fill out this stupid ticket form, and again, Mm -hmm. hope someone sees it, and eventually they get back to me with some template that they just pasted from a macro which doesn't help me at all and then another week later you know i maybe get a little bit more human reply or you know god forbid i have to actually call someone and listen to the world's shittiest music coming through the world's shittiest (laughs) phone speaker for god knows how long versus a metaverse where i can stand in line as an avatar and actually see when i'm going to get to the front of the line and get to talk to someone And in the meantime, there can be some other little AI creature wandering around giving me information and tips that may or may not solve my problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe a couple other people are solved by it and they jump out of line. But in the meantime, I can stream YouTube or Spotify through Mm -hmm. there or nothing. And I can simply just receive like an audible notification or a blinking in my tab when I'm actually like next in line or something or engage in other products. And you know, yeah, um, something I can play a game, you know, I can play super Mario world in the same browser, you know, whatever it is, there's so many amazing experiences you can build in a metaverse to solve the horrendous experience. And that is anyone coming to customer service. Yeah. I think there's a lot of customer service, solutions, but also value adds. So maybe if, you know, like I think to another topic is people feel like they have to rip and replace. It's like, no, you can augment what you're already doing that is working and make it better. On the metaverse side, I am really excited to see these use cases. I think by the end of the year, there's going to be a ton more mainstream metaverse use cases that we'll see. Um, little different than customer service and um, that enterprise perspective, but more on the entertainment side. I I really see metaverses as like um, CD-ROM games once upon a time. Like when I was younger, I'd go get the CD-ROM game around my favorite movie and then go to this destination and go to this part of the land to play this game, go to that part of the land to, you know, talk to what today would be an AI bot of a character, right? And like go engage with the IP in more impactful ways. I think we're going to see a lot of metaverse experiences like reflect that kind of CD-ROM 
um, not to minimize it, but to like show how many different use cases there are. It's really a, a virtual destination. You know, I think the metaverses that don't require hardware are the ones that will start to drive adoption. I think hardware should be optional for like an added experience. But, um, you know, it's really interesting. We have a partner, Trueverse. It's um, a men's editorial uh, metaverse, and it's like designed to be very calming and and not like a, like a game, you know, or a children's game or like a CD-ROM perspective, but very like a Four Seasons hotel. And you can go and you can hang out. You can have velvet roped kind of like access areas that will use Theta NFTs to grant access to. But that project is really thrilling to me because um, there's so many different ways brands, companies can work with a destination like Trueverse and learn about Web3 without really having to take much risk. Yeah, definitely. And I I think of Porsche's entrance into Web3 and Mm -hmm. how much of a failure of it was. And I feel like that's like the biggest example of where like we could crowdsource like what could have worked. Yeah. If they had had a similar experience to that, and then at the other end of that velvet rope is, you know, some car guru who's just there to talk about the history of Porsche, the mechanics of it, and all these car enthusiasts could gather under yeah. this Porsche banner. Um, it would just have been such an amazing thing that they could have done. I totally agree. I think for every project that, you know, it's always up for opinion on how something fails, because I do believe even some of the failed projects, as long as they were ethical, don't necessarily have to be deemed a failure if it was a learning experience right. and it proves something, right? But um, yeah, I think every time there's a quote-unquote failure of a project in the industry, I'm really fascinated by it because there's so much you can learn from it. And that goes for these projects, but even to something as horrific as FTX, it is as painful as it was and is a learning opportunity. And uh, it's usually when mostly like boomers in my life will come and be like, oh, I read the headline and, you know, it's an opportunity to just teach them what it is and what it isn't um, because of the the news and what's what people are buzzing about or criticizing. Yeah, it's true. Um, as I always have said in my life, you know, no publicity is bad publicity. It's a talking <laughs> point, whether a country is banning Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining is going to destroy the world, whatever it is, it opens up a conversation that you might not have had before. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, definitely. What are some things that that, uh, Theta has planned over this next year that you guys are going to roll out? Can you speak to any of that? Some, yes. Um, We're very cautious on sharing. We have a very active, awesome community. I'm sure you've seen a little bit of it, but um, they hold us very accountable. So we're careful of commitments, but I can talk to you about some high level stuff. I mean, like um, the sub chains that I discussed, that's a huge priority for us. So companies, creators, whoever it is that are um, could be sub chain use cases, like that's a huge priority for us as we focus on scale and adoption. Um, let's see in the upcoming year. Well, you know, very soon around the corner, we have this Metacan Film Festival that's launching, which is really exciting. So it's a What's virtual that? film. Yeah, it's a virtual film festival put on by this movement um, called the Film 3 Movement. And it's uh, represented by Jordan Bain, who leads the squad. It's an Ethereum group of um, about 300 holders. But they are really paving the way for Web 3 in Hollywood. 
And so they put together a curated library of films, feature films and shorts that are award winning. One of them won an Oscar this year. And they um, curated a very thoughtful lineup of these films. They, you know, they all have a touch point to Web3 in some way, whether they were funded or the production company, you know, uses NFTs for fan engagement. Like there's some dotted line to Web3 with all the films, which is cool. And then they did panels, about 10 or 15 panels to match with these films, just like you would see at a film uh, festival, you know, after the film, you chat with the director. So that's put together and that's all completely powered by Theta. And so we're really excited about it. One, the disruption of Hollywood is happening. We see this with the writer's strike, so that's exciting. But um, as well as, you know, NFT DRM, so the concept of token-gating video experiences, which we have the patent for, and we've done some really cool use cases there. But what's very interesting with this one is these are very sensitive um needing to be highly secure films, right? It is award-winning film that doesn't live anywhere else at the moment. It cannot be ripped. And so we get to prove out that security and that workflow. Um, and it's really fun that these NFTs are tickets. They're, you know, we're not calling them NFTs. They're streaming passes. It's a ticket. So I love that this is a use case that then I can use moving forward with studios, with anybody curious that, you know, this is a pop-up solution that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg and a whole staff to support, um, you know, it's, that's a nice story. So that's happening. Um, you know, the tickets are being sold right now and the content will be unlocked on the 16th, which is cool of May. That is really amazing. I've never heard of film three, uh, but I love the concept. The concept was around way back in the day, even right before Theta started, it was a project called Tata two. And they raised mm-hmm. like $500 million in their ICO. And it was endorsed by all kinds of Hollywood celebrities and ended up being a total scam. And oh, wow. never got off the ground, never did anything. But it was a decentralized movie studio where users of, could vote with their tokens on what films would get produced and like literally everything. And it was such an amazing use case, which is why it raised so much money. I'd yeah. love to see someone actually do it and do it the right way. So it sounds yeah. like this is kind of like the rebirth of that. Well, and the group, um, the film three movement, right? Cause it's like a movement more than it is a defined group. What I have found really rewarding is um, being closer to the creator side of everything here, which is important. But there's an ecosystem within this movement. So there's not just creators and filmmakers and directors looking to film projects and be innovative there, but there's all these technology startups now, like Decentralized Pictures, which is a Roman Coppola company that helps um, fund these projects, but actually provide some voting rights and and, um, strategies there, Um, you know, allowing financiers to better track their investments But there's all of these startups uh, popping up from it that are building, actually building solutions. So they're more B2B. And that is really why we found so much value working with Film3 is it's, you know, bringing us closer to this creator um, use cases and and like the Medican Film Festival. But then also I'm able to work with these awesome CEOs who have a Hollywood background and are actually doing something about the problems Hollywood has today. So yeah, it is. I'm going to have to look up that that project. I wasn't familiar with it, but I'm sure this is something um, 
that film three is like, you know, actually doing. And it's really cool to see the ethos that drives this group. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, why would you be holding Pepe coins and a bunch of other garbage <laughs> like that when you could be in super early on film three or decentralized science or any of these other really, really small niches that are starting to pop up these days? That's so yeah, exciting. It is. I, I'm obviously really focused on utility projects like most people are. Um, you know, it's more tangible. But what's interesting is with our utility, I shouldn't say our utility, when we work with clients and they're launching an NFT project, you know, obviously we're pushing for utility and that usually means they're using our infrastructure, right? So that's already like more of a land and expand approach there. But yeah, I love it. The other project we have coming up as well is, um, I'm not sure if you've seen the headlines in the last couple of weeks, but it's this new project by Toonstar, the animation studio called Space Junk. Um, have you heard about this at all? It's a really cool no, project. I, I live with my head under, under the Okay, keyboard. you will love this one. I, It's so creative and it's tapping into traditional but more of the modern Web3 elements. So um, Toonstar is a Web3 animation studio. The founders have, you know, the studio traditional background and they um, are launching Space Junk, which is about actual space junk, which is a real problem in the world. We send up trash to space and it's traveling 17,000 miles per hour and coming back to Earth. And one of them actually hit the moon last year and it took out six football fields on the moon. What? And so, yes, this is like a huge problem. It's, it's really interesting. So this project is this really funny and crude kind of South Park-like um, animation show that is, you know, obviously focused on space junk. It's from the creator of uh, Workaholics, Dominic Russo. Oh, okay. He, um, yeah, he, so it's like Workaholics meets uh, South Park where it's about the trash collectors in space. And it kind of touches on like billionaires of the world and it's just really funny, sharp humor. And so we're powering um, the project. We're partnered with them and it's going to be using our video player. It's using our NFTs. They've launched a sub chain. So it's really cool to think that an IP has its own uh, sub chain and is as powerful as a layer one. So it can create an entire you know, um, economy there. Like it could have a space verse, like a metaverse. It couldn't, it has a game already. Um, but it's really interesting because the NFTs, you know, they have their first, um, it's the first AI generated character, like her voice, this character named Welbecca, she's a robot in the show. So that's like this cool AI perspective, but the NFTs allow for participatory storytelling, which we talk a lot about in Web3, but I feel like it's very little is actually doing it in real time. So Toonstar releases these episodes every two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Kind of like South Park where it's very timely, right? They don't have to produce it six months ahead of time. Based off of the community and the characters that they're developing in real time, they will incorporate those elements back into the story, into the show. So, you know, you can develop backstories for characters. Um, It's really interesting. But through the NFTs, that's where you can participate in the community. And that stuff, I just like totally nerd out on. It's really fun. That's insane. That's crowdsourced canon. Yeah. For anime or cartoons. It's really animation. Yeah, it's really fun. And um, they had a previous project, The Gimmicks, which Mila Kunis was a producer on. And um, that was very successful. So when we saw that and we got introduced to Toonstar, it was very clear they were a perfect partner for us. They're, yes, an animation studio, but I really call them a technology group. Like they have a staff of engineers and builders. And the way that they are able to have adoption in Web3, it's like kind of irrelevant to the user experience. Like it's so easy to use. It's very frictionless. And they're actually building these products that will then be productized for the rest of Theta's creators to leverage in their own projects. So that's like very important and um, exciting. That is really exciting. I've never heard anything else like that. So I'm going to have to check that out. Do I need to buy an NFT to be able to watch the show or just to be able to participate and like give like script input? More the latter. So the episodes will be free. And so anybody can go watch the episodes. And I think that's a great strategy to, you know, have a top of the marketing funnel and um, get people to join. The NFTs will essentially grant access to the community. So it's like a social destination for you to, you know, build your friendship kind of instead of a discord, it will actually be the website destination. Um, And so there's a social layer there and then the character wikis and kind of the, you know, producer credits um, elements, that's all done through the NFTs. So you can go to Theta Drop, excuse me, it's spacejunk.thetadrop.com and buy, um, I think pre-fund will be opening up later this week, but the drop is May 15th. And so that will happen and it will be this AI generated kind of storytelling tool. And then these drops will just get more, um, meta should i say as the drops go on into the story it's pretty cool that's amazing i'm gonna have to make a note of that uh andrew thank you so much for spending the last 35 minutes with us and for all you you guys are building over at theta i'm so impressed this is really really cool and where can people follow you for more updates and learn more about uh the space junk and any other things going on in the side chains so I would say um, Theta Network's Twitter is our formal account, Theta underscore network. My Twitter account is W3Andrea. So I like to engage with the community and, um, uh, you know, talk about pop culture, media, sports, plants, but most importantly, Web3. Um, and then Space Junk is at Space Junkies. Um, or you can go to spacejunkies.xyz to participate 
and Metacan for any film buffs. Um, you know, it's a chance to participate in the Film 3 group. Um, that's metacan.thetadrop.com, which you can go find on my Twitter as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, looking Likewise. forward to catching up with you again in the near future. But for, sure. for now, we'll say goodbye. And we'll be back later on this week with another great episode here at the Crypto 101 podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.